You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey podcast merchandise in the official B&G shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show. Bruins fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, episode 124. We are recording on April 16th, 2019. Um, minus one, Court is not with us. We are, we are doing a wicked, weird schedule, and I'll tell you why. Because I am not a good 43-year-old hanging around with 30-year-old hot chicks. So I kind of get carried away and get a little drunk on Saturday night and could not do a show on Sunday. There was no way I could do that. So, but anyway, uh, Court is not with us. He probably, most likely would be us with us sometime in the next episode. Rob's back, though. What's up, Rob? Yeah, it's it's been what three weeks? Yeah, really four. So. Ah, too long. Captain Vacation Land over here. Oh yeah, no, and two more months, and I'm going away again. So <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Um. In in court's uh, absence, we I wanted to get um, our friend Chris Green. Chris Green writes for us. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at C Green Sports. Chris, what's up, bud? No much. Pleased to be here. Always uh, happy to fill in. It's like a friggin' UK invasion. You're outnumbered. <laughs> That's it now. Come on, I need uh, I need Canada to back me up. Come on, court. <laughs> Where are you, buddy? <laughs> Uh, no, it's good to have you guys on. It's good to have Rob back. I'm um, glad you enjoyed your vacation, bud. But and hopefully you were watching the uh, the Bruins hockey that's been going on. But let's just get right into uh, talking about the first three games of this first round playoff series against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, you know, game game one was uh, last Thursday, uh, the 11th, and it was. I, I honestly don't have any explanation for what happened uh, that they, they certainly didn't show up. Every part of the Bruins got outplayed. Cassidy got outcoached. He decided to go in it trying to play the speed game, play them at their own game. Didn't work. Um, the, the guys on the ice looked like they were expecting to just go in and score straight away and have no problem whatsoever. Um, through the three games, like just looking for that pretty play, like no one's looking to 
like 2011 this just to shoot the puck on net like just shoot the puck go to the net like they did it in game two it worked game one it was just looking for that backdoor pass all the time yeah. and it's just it's not their style of play it's not what got them to the playoffs um it's just crazy to think like you get them couple of days where you're safe and you've clinched a playoff spot it just seems like everything changes like every decision changes going from playing the rough and tumble speed game to all of a sudden wanting to play like Tampa for some reason uh and it was just it wasn't a good game to watch game one really your thoughts yeah, I, I agree uh, pretty much you know, with everything Rob said. It, it seems a bit strange that the Bruins kind of changed what had worked well for most of the season and, and tried to, you know, like you say, play Toronto at their own game with the speed. I think they kind of started the game quite well the first maybe 10 minutes or so, and then everything after that, everything just kind of imploded. And it just seems strange that, like I say, after going through the whole regular season playing a certain style, that they would try and mix it up. Uh, maybe they were trying to catch catch Toronto off guard, but I agree with Rob, you know, I think they were pretty much outplayed in, in all facets and outcoached. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even Brad Marshan said something about it. It's like um they didn't expect it. Right. And yeah, they didn't expect it to be that hard. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, I mean, that that certain individual, Brad Marshan, was there last season in a seven game series against the same team. You certainly better expect every matchup that comes up in the future because there's there's no takeaways in this series man you you either bring it 110 percent or you're gonna get out in the first round and yeah. i'm not saying i'm on the freak out or panic button or anything like that about losing the series i'm just saying that it's, it's early it's gonna be tough we all knew it was gonna be this tough it's you know it is what it is so I, um i'm just glad that Things got worked out. Um, additions came in, maybe sparked a team. And, and game two was just, you know, it, it was just so weird that they came out and they came out with physicality. They put it right in, the, in Toronto's face and, you know, in a really good convincing win. But and that fourth line started that game as well and set the tone for the whole game because that first shift was unreal. Like, they came out, it hit people straight off the bat, putting people into the boards. I think they followed it up with uh, Patrice Bergeron's line and then straight after that, David Backus got his first taste of the action. And, I mean, the first time you heard Backus's name, it was straight off the bench, straight to the defenseman, try and put him through the glass. Yeah. Like, I, I'm surprised that he was missed out of the first lineup. I know they went with Nordstrom for the speed to try and counteract uh, Toronto's speed, but, I mean, like I said before, you, you use what got you to the show. You, like, you don't try and play a different game. Um, but the Bruins have never come out in the first game and done really well. Like, the, even the first round. Uh, last year it went to seven games the year before that I believe went to six um, yeah the Bruins recently haven't had a haven't looked great in the first round but it seems like they get going the further it, the more it lasts through the first round 
the better the Bruins look. Um, and I'm hoping in game four they can keep going, get a win, tie it up, make it count. Yeah, absolutely. I think game two was was really physical. I think the Bruins really went to a style of play that, that suits them and that they're good at. Um, it was almost the exact opposite of game one in that sense. Uh, like you say, they set the tone early. Bacchus was was determined to kind of establish himself early in the game. And, and you know, he's a leader. I think the team kind of fed off that energy early on. And obviously, I think they got under the skin of um, Toronto as well, made them feel uncomfortable. And they had to do that. It was really important that they uh, they got level in the series. They couldn't afford to go two down, I think would have been a problem heading to Toronto. So that was a that was a great response, I think, after game one. Yeah, and and for me, it's just uh, just like what you guys said. Is uh, the physicality was amazing. I mean, I mean, Pasternak, which is your 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 superstar on the team, is just laying his body on the line and just crushing people. Like like him and him and Jake Muzzin. I mean, the hits that they were throwing at each other was just unreal. And I mean, it was almost like the the matchup with uh, we'll talk about it later. But the uh, DeProsperous Godfrey, you know, it's just People were matching up, and you know, if you were on the ice and you know you were available, you're going to get hit. So, yeah. and it looked like they were taking numbers through the game as well. Like um, McAvoy was battling really well with uh, Tavares down low. Like every time Tavares was near the net, you saw McAvoy, yep. and he was just getting him out of the way. Um, I mean, like you said, Muzzin and Pasternak seemed to have a bit of nastiness towards each other after that hit by Pasternak. Uh, Jake Dubrusco and Kadri, like you said, we're going to talk about that. That's a whole different show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, Bacchus looked like he was trying to get involved with everything. Looked like he was trying to find anyone to play his style of game and no one was taking. Um, that game just showed what the Bruins can do when they come out and fear someone and actually like show how they can play. Because that was a scared Bruins team. They didn't want to go down to 2 nothing to start off the series. Uh, and I think they need to play like every game's elimination game. Every game's game seven. You're going out if you don't win. Uh, and game two, they showed all that emotion. Game three, not so much. Yeah, yeah, we'll go right into that. Game three was just, you know, the, the late game heroics. Um can't happen you know i mean i know they got really close to to really pressuring um frederick anderson was just he was amazing last night i gotta give that guy credit um you know he just really was was big when they when the maple Leafs really needed him and um and i i give credit to the bruins too for really trying to do what they can under under the 60 minute mark but it was just a little too short but um Hopefully they have a better effort in game four, like you said, and, uh, and, and play a full 60 and not just um, a desperation minutes, I call them, you know? So, um, yeah, I just, I, it's just tough. I mean, it's just that, that roller coaster of emotions when you talk about this Bruins team, especially in the postseason. Um, everybody's, you know, after the first game, it was like, oh, what, what type of team are we going to see? Second, second game, the emotions get higher, as in, holy crap, we actually have a serious chance. And then uh, to last night's game, to just just basically just not have enough to, 
to get it done was just a little uh, a little draining, but it is what it is. And just going to move on game by game. This team seems like they get kicked in the nuts and they, you know, they get up, brush themselves off. The next game's totally different, but sooner or later in a seven game series, that scenario is not going to work all the time. Yeah. You, d- you don't want to get down to being three, one down next game. Yeah. And then you have it. You haven't got that time to wait for someone to anger you. You you've got to, the Bruins have to find some way to piss themselves off. Like before the game, go out angry, go out frustrated. Um, because that seems to be the key to be in Toronto. They don't want to play the heavy game. I, I believe that Toronto are more looking at the next series than I think the Bruins are because they're looking to not get hurt out there. The Bruins aren't. The Bruins are going for every hit. Like They're trying to lay everything. Uh, all the defensemen are trying to get in the lane for the shot, which at the moment isn't working too well. But the willingness is there but they've got to have the angriness to go along with it and they need to start getting in people's faces. I'm not talking about fighting every game, but I, I'm talking about frustrate them, make them yeah. angry. Give them no space. Yeah. If all they've got is speed and skill, get them angry and they'll be off the game. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing. I think the, um, you know, we, we spoke about earlier on in, in game one, the importance of the, uh, game two, excuse me, the importance of the fourth line and that physical presence. Well, I actually think Toronto's fourth line was was really impressive early on in game three. Uh, they got the crowd fired up. They really set the tone themselves. They weren't going to be bullied. I think they probably got the better of Boston's fourth line. Um, they put in a couple of really good early shifts. And like I say, the, the crowd responded and it got it got Toronto fired up. And I think the the Bruins kind of struggled early to get any real kind of offense going you know passing that looked quite frustrated early on and and as the game went on almost reluctant to shoot you know the guys were looking for the passes um when they should have just gone back to basics get pucks on that you know at one point i think bacchus was um leading in terms of shots on goal which is kind of worrying when you look at all the firepower they have so i just think if the bruins just go back to to doing what they do well rather than trying to change it up and, and kind of cater towards Toronto. I think if they dictate it a bit more, do what we know they're good at and what they can do, I think they're more than capable of beating this team. Well, speaking of beating, that's an, a great segue there, Chris. Um, we're going to move right into the, uh, the, the Brusphorus cadre. This is, this is a topic that has, has been definitely a hut throughout the, uh, the National Hockey League. Um, just the, the battles that they went through in game two. Um, amazing. Uh, but at a certain point, the frustration and, and I believe the hatred that went on the ice, uh, in that particular night and, and the first two games of the series has gotten to a point that, wow, it's, it's, it's crazy, crazy, good excitement, but let's keep it to a, a a healthy, um, you know, uh, a game style because uh, uh, the, that's just what Kadri did to Debraska. I think is absolutely dirty, absolutely dirty. And it's 366 days to the day that he was suspended for hitting Tommy Wingles, pretty much in the same area of the ice a year ago, and gets suspended again. And 
But the one thing that I have a trouble with is the officiating. The officiating sucked in this game, and we'll talk about that later on. But I think the Bros could have gotten something, at least a penalty for the knee on knee. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's basically what boiled it over to what it was. I think that's the reason it happened. Uh, I think Cardry thought he had to police the game himself. And you can't do that anymore because you obviously you get suspended. Um, I think this was a game for those guys who grew up in the 80s and the 90s and the 70s watching oh, yeah. hockey, really wanted that style back, and they got that that game. I mean, everyone was excited for that game once it kicked off. Um, the thing is, I think a lot of people forget how bad the Tommy Wingles hit was. Uh, because his head was against the board and Kadri used his hip to drive him with no, there's no room for movement there. That's right. just straight. That's a concussion instantly, no matter how hard you hit him. Um, but going into that game, I think everyone knows that there's a hatred with Kadri. I think every player has a hatred on the Bruins team with Kadri. And, uh, in game one, Cardra hit um, Jake DeBrusque. Not a great hit. Uh, didn't answer for it. Uh, decided to chirp DeBrusque on his way to the box, which is never a good idea because I think everyone forgets how much of a pest Jake DeBrusque was when he was in the juniors. Yep. He's not a soft guy. If you know who his dad is, you definitely know he's not a soft guy. Um it just kept getting better and better that game up until the cross check to the mouth. Because at first I thought that's it for Jake DeBrus. That's playoffs over. Because I thought it was going to be a lot worse than it was. Luckily, I think he chipped, did he chip his teeth? Yeah, I think so. And that was about it. Because in the interview the next day, his mouth did not look great. Um, but like, like you said, the officiating calls this. It's all on the referees and the fact that there's not there should be someone on the sidelines saying, "Look, you're missing calls. You need you need to start calling stuff out there because it's getting it's getting bad." And it's going to end with someone being very seriously hurt, and that nearly happened to Cardri, and then that nearly happened to Jake DeBrusque. So, I mean, if Cardri breaks his leg or his knee on that play, um then I think Jake DeBrusque is getting a suspension. But that didn't happen. And I think Cardi shot himself in the foot because he overshadowed everything that Jake DeBrusque did. So, I mean, that wasn't a, it wasn't a good hit by Jake DeBrusque. So. Uh, oh, yeah, and I totally forgot to mention that. I'm sorry, Chris, but uh, just to jump in there. Before that happened, um, DeBrusque was the one that put, um, what was it, Marlowe. Yeah, the turnbuckle, and and for me personally, I didn't think that that was that was a a bad hit. I think it was a clean hit, just in the wrong area of the ice. It was a clean hit, but I think it's the fact that I think it's more the fact that he followed through and lifted him. Like when he hit him, he lifted him into right. No, the I, I, glass. I I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and if you see that as a player, especially if you're if that frustrates you that bad that you're not paying attention to 
how Marlow is when he gets up. Because Marlow got straight back up. He did. a bit Popped frustrated, right but didn't look angry. But if you're a player, like if you see a Bruins player do that, and then straight away the player's after Jake the Brusque. Yeah. He doesn't see Patrick Marlow get up. He doesn't see any of that. So he doesn't know if Marlow's seriously hurt or not. Right. Um, so it's it's not the best hit by Jake DeBrusque. It's a good hit, clean hit. But I think, to me, it was the actions of the follow-through lifting him. Because he lifted him over the board into the glass. And that's that could cause some serious, serious injury. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I mean... I, I think the the game in general, you know, we've mentioned already in the show, was was very physical. I really enjoyed the game, um, mainly obviously because the Bruins were were great. Um, but I think there was a lot of individual battles. Uh, the 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 big one being obviously Kadri and and DeBrusque. and I I can I can totally understand why Kadri went was straight over to DeBrusque. I think it was a good hit. I agree with you, Mark. I just think perhaps where it was and the consequence of, of the location of the hit um, made it look a lot, a lot worse um, than, than, it, than it probably was. I can totally see why Kadri wanted to go over and, and uh, you know, settle things with, with Nebraska. I don't agree with, you know, checking the guy in the face. I was really worried. And, and like you, Rob, I thought at one point, you know, that might have been the last we see of Nebraska um, potentially. In this series, I'm glad that when he got up, and I mean the look on DeBrus' face when he did get up, he was like a like a crazed animal. You know, he wanted he wanted to get after Kadri. So I think the the passion probably boiled over. Um, I'm not excusing the hit because um, the the check sorry to the face. I think it was uh, it it crossed a line, and it's a shame that that happened because, like I say, I think up to that point it'd been a really good physical contest, just good kind of old old school playoff hockey. Um, it's a shame it kind of ended the way it did. Um, in terms of the punishment, I think it's difficult. As a, as a Bruins fan, I'm you know I'm glad that he's 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 out for the rest of the series. I think if I was a Leafs fan, I probably would have been a little bit disappointed. But given his track record, I think it's it's difficult to argue with the the suspension. Right. Yeah, and the fact that the suspension is only for the rest of this series is crazy to me. Like. That's so basically he got maybe four, maybe five games for that, and he's been suspended. I, I think he got five games for the hit against Wingles. Yep. Like, if that's if that's me and I'm player like player safety or whatever, that has to be more than five. Like, if you're gonna teach this guy a lesson, it's got to be that you're missing some of round two as well. Or you're missing some of next season. Yeah. Like, not just, oh, that's it for this series. Because to me, I'm I'm disappointed Cardri's out. Because I think game three would have been different if Cardri was in. I think the Bruins go out with more fire. I think the Bruins play a lot more physical because that guy is out there. I think Cardri got the Bruins playing the style of game they were playing. And now you've got those speed and skill guys out there that aren't hitting you as much. <laughs> You're not playing that game anymore. Right. You, you go back to trying to play speed and skill. And that's not what helped you. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I think um, 
I think that animosity between Kadri and De Bruyne really fired up the Bruins and, and like you say, got the best out of them. Um, I mean, if the worst is to happen and Toronto are to win the next two games, then the suspension's only three games, um, which seems, seems very short. I mean, I think the series is probably going to go the distance, but from, in terms of discipline, you know, for a repeat offender, he could potentially miss less games than he did for a similar offence the year before, which seems a bit strange. Yeah, well, strange is a very good word for this segue, Chris. And it's, um, we'll, we're going to talk about Sean Avery. Um, this, this guy. All right, so following up on the whole Dabrowski and everything like that and Kadri crap, Sean Avery from his apartment outside having a dart, you know, cigarette for the, those ones that don't know what darts are, um, you know, shoots videos, and which is which is good, you know, good for him. He's, you know, after his, his uh, lengthy career, I'm not going to say it was a great career because he – did the exact same things that everybody in Toronto is crucifying Jake DeBrus for doing right now. So calling the kettle black here, big guy. Um, you know, I, I get you stick up for players and stuff like that, but you definitely shouldn't be the one to do that. This is like Sean Avery is the best publicity guy there ever is because no one else no other player gets people talking about stuff like this. Like, if you come out and you're the greatest goal scorer of all time, and then you go and you say, oh, I don't think Ovi's very good at shooting the puck. Like, of course people are going to get pissed off because <laughs> Ovi's one of the best now. Like, you were dirty in your time and even dirtier than Jake DeBrus is ever going to be. Like, it's just hypocrite central right now with players i i don't get i don't get the call out i understand he's trying to fire up the toronto guys he hates boston we understand this but i mean if he's getting if he's not getting paid by uh, a certain sports broadcasting thing um <laughs> yeah the guy is the biggest homer i've ever seen <laughs> oh Go ahead, Chris. Lay it down on us. It's, yeah, Avery, I, I almost don't know if it's if it's genuine or if it's almost kind of clickbait. You know, we're in the kind of fake news era, whatever you want to call it. I don't know if this is his, his real opinion. I mean, I, I agree with you there, Rob. I think he, he clearly hates the Bruins, but uh, I don't know if he's just trying to get himself back in the in the spotlight and enjoy enjoy a bit of fame again. But it's um, it's hard to take it seriously, really. I mean, you know, he was in the league for a long time, but he was hardly the, you know, the cleanest player. So, yeah, it's um, like you said, it's, uh, he obviously hates the Bruins and uh, he's kind of made himself look like a bit of a fool, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and, you know, good on him to get out there and say what he wants to say, and that's fine. But, you know, just be ready for the backlash that you're going to receive. And, and when he said that, it's like, Jake DeBrusque, you – you hit a guy that's played in the league for 23 years. It's like, that kind of struck me right there. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you're in the league for a year, a cup of coffee, or 20 years. You're in the league. This is hockey. It, and you're going to get hit. It just happens. I mean, 
this this guy, Sean Avery, was probably one of the biggest guys that, you know, laid out some pretty dirty hits. Um, I don't know his uh, suspension sheet, but regardless of that, it's just – it is. It's got to be a publicity thing, you know what I mean? Somebody must have put him up to it or something because it's just – I can't believe he – you know, I could see – oh, never mind. I'm not even going to go there. Well, it's like game one, Trevor Moore lays out Chara into the boards. A guy that's played for 23 years in the league. <laughs> oh, where's where's the video, pal? Oh, it's right. not there. Where's London like, Byers going? Hey! hey. <laughs> all, all that's happened is this guy has been sat in his apartment watching Biz Nasty, like tear it up and get all this stuff. And he's like, you know what? I used to be a face puncher. Okay, let's let's try and be funny. Right. But it's not funny. Let's see how many kills I can get. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not funny, pal. There you go. Like, I don't get. Like, I understand what happened. The guy was frustrated, and he goes, "Oh well, I have like a hundred thousand followers. Let's go outside, smoke a dart, and joke about this." <laughs> like, we can't do that. But I'm I'm sure I'd be called a hypocrite if I ever said anything and had a hundred thousand followers. So, <laughs> fair fair play. Well done, Sean Avery. <laughs> we are talking about you, so I mean, if the if a lowly like guy in England is talking about the fact that you're a massive prick, well done. <laughs> I, before before we take a, um, a quick break, I just want to talk about one one quick topic. Um, not quick, but uh, got to we got to talk about Charlie Coyle. Um, I know that I'm probably going to get scrutinized for jumping on the coil bandwagon but the guy's been playing really good um not the points that i want to see regardless i get it i get the whole point blah 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 but he is making an impact like i said last week and um and it basically it's it's really sad to say that he is the best forward in this series so far for the boston Bruins. uh thoughts on uh, your favorite coil uh my favorite coil or favorite <laughs> player. Uh, no, I, I think secretly Patrice Bergeron's been amazing out there. I mean, you don't hear his name all the time, but the guy has been solid. Um, I mean, Marshan's been insane these past few games. I mean, that one last night, he had the best move ever where he just skated at the defenseman, went through three people, and then got a shot off on net. I mean... Marshall's playing good. Um, like you said, Coyle is... I, I think he has two goals or one goal. Is yeah, it? consecutive games. Yeah, I mean, Coyle's really stepped it up. I liked his interview where he said, like, basically, I'm playing for my hometown team. This is what I wanted. Like, I need to go out there and prove everything. I mean, the guy's here next year. So, I mean, the guy wants to step up. They want to keep going in the playoffs. Um, it's sad that we haven't managed to see uh, Mojo out there since game one. Um, I believe he's back for game four. I think Flute Ocean's hour said that. Um, or at least he's on the ice practicing. I mean, the Bruins as a whole have been pretty good. Uh, my favorite player, though, Charlie McAvoy's been insane out there. Yeah. Like that guy has stepped up and taken the leadership on defense with his play. 
like Char is still the leader, he's still the the guy, but Charlie McAvoy's play. I mean, that where Tavares was kind of like cross-checking Rask, let's get him into Rask in game two. McAvoy just goes over and judo slams him on the floor. It <laughs> uh, doesn't get called for a penalty, which is amazing. I don't know how the hell that happened. I mean, first of all, it's goaltender interference and Toronto had the puck, so I don't get why nothing happened there. But um, it's just the Bruins need to find that one thing that's making them play like that. Each individual player needs to find that little... Because we've seen glimpses of it from everyone. I mean, there was a point where Wagner was on the ice and laid about five hits in about 20 seconds. He needs to find out whatever was in his head during that shift and just play it on repeat. Jake DeBrus just needs Metallica blasting through his earphones on the bench because every time that guy like hears it during the pre pregame, like he just seems fired up. Yeah. Uh, same with Tuukka Rask, massive Metallica fan. <laughs> um, that's the thing. Now you're in Toronto. You've got the crappy music. We all know it's crappy. Don't worry. Uh, the problem I had watching the game on NBC was that it, I heard all the music in TV Garden and my God, that's got bad over the last few years. <laughs> Stop with the pop music. Uh, we want to be fired up, not some mumble rap in my ear that I don't understand. Um, yeah. I, I mean, for me, going back to it, McAvoy is the best player of the series so far. Uh, followed closely by Charlie Coyle and then Marshawn and Bergeron. Chris, thoughts on Coyle before we take a little break? Yeah, I think Coyle's, Coyle's played really well in the, in the playoffs. He's, he's had that kind of... He looks like he's just been fired up the whole time. Uh, you know, like you said, he's, he's playing for, for his, his home team. It's, it's, it's what it's all about. Surely it doesn't really get much better than that as a hockey fan, you know, playing for your team in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, I don't know what extra motivation you need. You know, if the if the Bruins can can find that kind of that balance of the aggression and, and being fired up, then I really think that they can they can go far. Um, Coyle has been really important with his two goals. I think he's actually been a little bit unlucky towards the the end of the regular season as well. He had a few chances where he just kind of missed, or there was a, a good save made. So I, I think he's a good addition. Um, it's nice that I know there was a lot of apprehension about, you know, the hometown kids coming in and, and having that extra extra weight on their shoulder, you know. So um, it can go one or two ways. I think right now it seems to be going going well for Coyle. So the longer that continues, the, the better for me. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll uh, touch on something that Rob was talking about a little earlier. So we'll be right back. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Johnny Gaudreau. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world!
Hey guys, we're back. And um, Rob was talking about his favorite player, Charlie McAvoy, this season. And I, this is a topic that I really wanted to bring up. Um, I, I do believe that Rob hit on so many really valuable topics um, about how he plays, um, his aggressiveness, his defense, and every and his overall game has just really stepped up. But one thing that's concerning me, and I know it doesn't happen often, but it has happened twice. This is this to me. The playoffs are still a hockey season from October to June. It's still a hockey season, and then twice in that time span, McAvoy has basically taken Tuka Rask out. Um, particularly last night, Tavares comes in, skates in hard. Um, and almost like he, from what I saw, it looked like Tavares was slowing up to prepare for a collision, but didn't need the extra bump from McAvoy in the back. Why? How can the, how can that be avoided? I know I know the game's fast, but how can that be avoided? Um, when I always played in net and I saw someone coming towards me, even if they started to slow down, like. I was, I was leaning into them, looking to take them down rather than get taken out. I'm sure Tukaraski is doing exactly the same thing. Um, the little bump from behind, I mean, he could be trying to move him out of the way and just accidentally push him forward. Um, there's a lot of times where I've seen Chara absolutely destroy someone on top of Tukarask. Um Johnny Boychuk had the best one ever where he flipped someone over him and landed on top of Rask's head. I don't uh, even remember that. Yeah, there's, there's quite a few. I remember Daniel Paye tried to skate the puck through the crease and just laid out Rask at one point. Um, there's so this, a is few a, times... this is a bad topic for me. Oh, yeah. So there's, there's a few times this has happened. And I mean, like, you've got to expect collision as a goalie. If yeah. someone's coming to the crease, you've got to expect collision. Uh, and the main thing is just to keep your head up. Like, don't let your head go anywhere near the floor. Um, and don't let anyone fall on top of you. <laughs> That's the main thing. Uh, but, yeah, I I mean, you get them little shoves and everything. I, I think it's just players probably don't have that depth perception that goaltenders have where they're near the net and you realize how far away from everything you are they're not really paying attention to that. So it may be a case of the old uh, side mirror effect where objects may appear a bit closer than they are. <laughs> <laughs> My advice is just uh, give a little shout when you give it a shout. <laughs> like, watch out, Toot. That's up, Toot. <laughs> yeah. All right, Chris, you got anything good to add to that? Yeah, I, I just think, you know, you kind of touched on it already, the, the speed the game's played at. I think, I, I mean, obviously, McAvoy definitely is not intending to hurt Tuka at all, you know. Um, he has been unfortunate in that it's happened twice uh, this season. I remember the, the original case you, you're referring to. Um, I think to, to kind of defend McAvoy, I guess, if anything, if he was to just kind of stand there and not try and disrupt the, the play. Had the Leafs scored there, I think he would have been criticised a lot more for just kind of almost being a passenger. So as a defenseman in that situation, it's difficult. He has to, he has to try and 
and and stop the the scoring opportunity. And I think that's what he's doing. And I, I don't think there's any intent, obviously, to to cause any harm to his uh, to his own teammates. So I, I just think it's a it's a product of how fast the game is and and you know what's on the line, what's at stake. So yeah, I I, I don't really I don't really want to be too harsh on him. Yeah. So yeah, we'll get rid right out of that topic because that wasn't just that wasn't one of my best ones at all. But uh, he's probably just a Halak fan, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's give Halak a few stars. David Backus, <coughs> the in and out saga. Excuse me. Um, out for the first game. In for the second game. Uh, motion seemed to get really high. Um, but as reports come out today, after, uh, per Flutishan's hour in the practice, that Bacchus is out for game four. And Johansson is, I mean, I'm sorry, not Johansson, um, Nordstrom is in his spot. So, or a spot on that line. So is that a concern to you guys at all? Or why, why stop something that could be working when it comes to, the aggressiveness of the game. Um, thoughts? Maybe it's just uh, a little mind games from the coach right there. Like, Becker's misses game one, plays like a monster in game two. Goes out for beers with Bruce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Comes back uh, and plays. Kicks his head in round back a TV garden. <laughs> and then uh, gets back in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, plays game two like a monster. Comes back in game three, not the same monster. Uh, maybe this is just you scratch him, try and get a win game three. If you don't, you bring back in Bacchus, plays like a monster again because he's been scratched. Um, there's many possibilities there, but I, I, I think it's more the guessing game for Toronto. Like, they're going to know that he's out now and Nordstrom's in, but if you're playing different players every night on a certain line, especially a fourth line that can damage you if they want to, um, like that's a pretty good tool to have. Like two players like Nordstrom and Bacchus that can interchange there, one physically, one one with the speed. Uh, and I mean, Nordstrom can play centre as well. Bacchus not so much anymore. So I mean, if Nordstrom has to go in centre position... He's available there. Um, when I saw the news that Bacchus was out, I was kind of hoping it was someone else going in. Uh, but if Nordstrom's going in there, I mean, the guy gives it his all every time he's in there. It's not like he doesn't try and play. He's not a passenger on the team by any by any means. So uh, I'm glad he'll get a bit of action. I mean, two games each for the first series. It's not bad. Hey, Chris. Yeah, I think in some ways, I think the, the Bruins have, you know, assuming everybody's healthy, they have a real headache of, of, who, of who to start. You know, it's, it's difficult to find that right combination. I think they've got a lot of depth. And that's why you're looking at situations now where, you know, Bacchus is being scratched um, in favour of other players. I think Nordstrom is probably a little bit more versatile. And that's probably why they've stuck with him. I know he's, he's handy on the penalty kill. Um, so, and I think, I think the Bruins are quite worried about the speed of Toronto. I think, uh, that's probably why Nordstrom has got that, that kind of edge over Bacchus. Um, 
you know, Bacchus, I think, is, is, is a team, team guy. So, you know, if he's called on uh, in game five, I think he'll, he'll come hit the ice hard just like he did in, in game two. I, I just think it's, it's a product of, of the depth and the fact that they need to, or, or, or Bruce needs to put the team that he feels are going to counter Toronto um, ultimately. I think it's, it's a must-win game, game four, and, and he's gone with the, the guys that he thinks are going to do the job. Um, another great segue is people that don't do their job very well. And those are the officiating. Um, I don't get the whole theory of um, this regular season officiating and this playoff hockey. It should be all be the same. Is I mean, I, I don't get it. Maybe I'm just an old fart here and just thinking that things should change. But, you know... There's a lot of things that are going away, and there's a lot of things that are hap- that the Bruins are doing to the Maple Leafs that are getting away. And um, the, I think the whole game is just going to tighten up. Um, but you, you still have to have a balance of uh, what's good and what's not and, and, and some clarity there. Yeah, I think um, we've been back at work this week and listening to a lot of podcasts. Uh, the guys on the Steve Dangle podcast said this perfectly. Um, the Bruins are playing like they know what they can get away with and what they can't get away with. Yeah. The Leafs, the Leafs aren't playing like that. The Leafs are trying to play the Bruins game, but they don't know how far they can go. So there's the odd time where the Leafs are getting caught and the Bruins aren't. There's a couple of vice versa ways that the Bruins have got caught doing stuff that the Leafs have done as well, uh, especially in game three. So... It, it's just that it's inconsistent refereeing. I've seen people out there saying they're not calling anything. They are, <clears throat> especially that new slashing rule on the hand. Yeah. Like, if that gets called, but cross-checking and everything doesn't, I don't understand it. <laughs> but this is how the playoffs have always been. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's very inconsistent. I mean, if you compare uh, game two to game three, I think game two, the referees probably let more slide than, than they typically would have, which perhaps contributed to the, the Kadri de Brusque incident. And I think as a result of that, they kind of flipped it on its head. And, you know, you get calls like that, that grizzly hooking call, which I thought was uh, was pretty harsh personally. And then obviously then led to a, Toronto power play goal so I think they just need to find that balance because uh, right now they've been very inconsistent um, moving on to another topic as we uh, get close to the sh- end of the show um, what do the Bruins have to do for game four on Friday um, it is I'm sorry wow, I'm way off uh, on Wednesday night which is tomorrow night. We're recording on April 16, 2019. So tomorrow night, you're, you're in the, the, the belly of the beast again. In Toronto, the, the fans were, um, as, as expected, loud, proud, and, and annoying. So <laughs> um, can the Bruins get together and put a game to performance and bring that to – the uh, I believe it's the Scotia Bank Center now. 
Yeah, Scotiabank Arena. Okay. Yeah. Um, used, to, used to be what? The ACC? The Leafs crap ball? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't, <laughs> don't follow them whatsoever. Um, yeah, I, I think the Bruins might surprise everyone tomorrow and play regular season Bruins style. The thing I'd like to see is a bit of a switch up in the lines. Uh, I think Pasternak looked lost out there in round one. Uh, I'd love to see them put Heinen back up on the first line um, and then put Pasternak on that third line with Charlie Coyle <clears throat> and hopefully Mo- uh, Mojo if he's back in. Because that third line have been getting the scoring chances. They've got the better matchup against Toronto's third line, especially now Cardrew's out. Because I think it was, was it Gautier playing on the third line centre position? Or yeah. was it Marlow? And that's your next pain in the ass. Uh, yeah, but Gautier is a little softy, so it's not going to do anything. Like Jimmy Hayes. The size, <laughs> the strength. Hayes gate. <laughs> yeah, the size, the strength, the tissues, that's what that's what he's got. So, yeah, the the I think the Bruins go out there and play the skill game and they just dominate. I think they get back to what the Bruins are. I think they play with a bit of physicality but not that fire that they had again too. I don't think we see that till the next round if they make it. I think they have, they have to win. They have to win, no matter how they do it, whether they come out and absolutely dominate the Leafs, whether it's a really scrappy game and they just kind of pull through. Whatever they do, they, they have to win this and level the series, bringing it back to Boston. I think um, if, they go, if they go 3-1 down, then I think it's going uh, to be difficult to recover from that. Um, like you said, Rob, I, I'd quite like to see maybe the top line broken up a bit. Normally... I like to see it stuck together, but it it was quite clear that for whatever reason last night they weren't uh, playing as 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 well as we've come to expect from them. You know they've kind of set their own standards. Um, I think Bruce, for whatever reason, looked a little bit reluctant to break it up, and uh, you know moving him past and down, maybe Heinen back up to that top line, just kind of it just changes it up because last night they just didn't their offense wasn't clicking. I don't think. And uh, I just like to see them try and try and do something to, you know, whether it is just a deflected goal or, or you know, like a kind of a, a scrap in front of the net, and the puck trickles in, whatever it takes to just fire them up and get them get them going. They need to find that, and I think they're more than capable of winning game four. I just think it's important that they do, and just kind of shut that that Toronto crowd up because. Uh, they fell pretty quiet at the two start of the two Bruins goals, and I think that's really important. If they can get an early goal and and establish themselves early, then um, we can we can assert themselves a bit and go back to the style that they they excel at. Yeah, yeah. And the the thing is, the Leafs fans know what a collapse looks like. Yeah. And when that first goal went in, you could see a little bit of panic. And when the yeah. second goal went in. They all look like, oh my god, it's happening again. <laughs> like that's what that's everyone in the crowd looked just like, like they looked like a white sheet. It looked like we were playing in Winnipeg. It looked like the white out was happening. Um, 
yeah, they just they went quiet. And mm-hmm. you could see the Leafs players even believing it. Like, oh no, here it comes. It, it's happening again. Um, th- like you said, that's what they need to do. Just get them scrappy goals. Win them little battles in front of the net. And with Heinen going on that first line, if it does happen, uh, we all know that I have like some sort of mental tap with Bruce Cassidy, so hopefully he's hearing me. Um, yeah, if Heinen does go on that first line, I mean, during the regular season, people were giving Heinen way too much room, thinking, oh, this is just a filling guy, you can't really do anything. The guy was on a stupid scoring pace during that time on the first line. I remember that. Yeah, the I think that's the best thing for this team is a bit of a shake-up. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't think the Leafs expect it either. I think they feel like they they maybe have Boston's number a little bit, uh, and if they can stop that that top line scoring, then that's I think really their game plan. Where if if you mix it up a bit, maybe put Pasta down uh, and improve the second and third line then I think it, it might catch Toronto out. I think they they kind of, at least in five on five, probably won that kind of, that, that battle last night. Um, but I just think the Bruins are, they're more than capable. They have, they have weapons. And if it's not working, why not just shuffle it around a bit? I think it's, um, they've got the talent. They just need to, to find that goal, just kind of get that belief again and they'll be fine. And get Camper out of this goddamn lineup. That's the main thing. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. yeah, I was kind of um, a little disappointed in, in the whole Camper Clifton thing because I like Connor and everything, but I understand he got a little shoulder uh, injury because of the, the Kadri hit. So he's listed as day to day. But um, moving on to the last couple, uh, real quick the if, if the Bruins get past the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, I mean, the second round, I, I hate counting eggs before they hatch. I really do. But um, if you do make it there, you're obviously looking at uh, a Columbus Blue Jackets matchup. And I don't think that the Tampa Bay Lightning are coming back. Um, so if that does happen, hopefully it does. I'm knocking on wood and crossing fingers and toes. It does happen. But um, does this team have what it takes to match up against a team like Columbus after a possible seven-game series against the Leafs? I'm just going to say Bruins versus Philadelphia Flyers. Does anyone remember that being three nothing up and then uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> like anything can happen. Um, I think if they do get Columbus and they have played seven games, whew, their speed is more than the Leafs. That's it's a bit scary. Yeah. Um, I mean, Duchesne and Panarin on a line together. I think they're playing with Dubois. That's scary. Uh, Seth Jones looking like a Norwich Trophy candidate is scary. <coughs> um, Seth Jones that we were all so high on him coming to the Bruins, never did. Um, yeah. I mean, I think if Tampa come back and reverse sweep, that's a hell of a lot scarier for me than playing Columbus. What do you got, Chris? Yeah, I, it's a difficult one. I mean, like I say, it's, it's, there's plenty of hockey still to be played. I, I think 
if um like you said rob if, if tampa do come back and win that series then they're going to be well the momentum is is firmly on their side i think they will be they'll get that belief back i mean there's no question that they are one of if not the best teams in the league um i don't think anybody expected this uh, quite honestly, I think what's important if the Bruins do match up against Columbus is not to underestimate them. I think everyone has been guilty of that. Um, I mean, they're not—they're no pushover. They're not a bad team at all. They've got some some real weapons. They—they um, uh, they belong in the playoffs for sure. And I think I think nobody expected them to beat Tampa, and I think they kind of almost thrive on that underdog role. I think if they do, whether if they do beat Tampa, whether they play Toronto or Boston, I still think they'd probably be considered underdogs, and I, I think they kind of thrive on that. So, yeah, if, if we do come up against Columbus, definitely do not underestimate them. All right. Um, last one, Jack Stanika, a little some prospect news. Jack Stanika is out of the Ontario Hockey League playoffs. Um, his on, um, oh no, Niagara Ice Dogs were eliminated by the, his former team, the Oshawa Generals and, and, and goalie prospect Kyle Kieser, who, who was, who was playing absolutely fantastic this year. So Jackson is out. His commitment to his Ice Dogs team is over. The big controversy before, before, uh, last night's exit was, does he come to the Bruins? And obviously that has been shot down due to Providence Journal's uh, Mark Diver reported today that the, the Bruins are going to place him in, with Providence, which is smart. There's no reason why the shiny new toy has to come in here. That's, that's a huge leap that people are really like wanting to do. And I don't think this kid's ready for it. See, What's happened recently with certain teams signing certain players, such as, I mean, the Avalanche just signed Kale McCarr. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at blackandgold277, at Courtlalonde, and at Rob40Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.